Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David Nakao Wilcoxon. This audio is from the Olivet Discourse Decoded video series. The videos were low-tech, mostly me just reading what's on the screen. So you're not missing much in the audio version. The Olivet Discourse Decoded PDFs that I refer to in the lessons can be found at www.theolivetdiscourse.com. Enjoy the lesson. Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David. And in this video series, we've covered the context of the Olivet Discourse, how it's directly related to the prophecies in Daniel 9 and Daniel 12, and how it's part of Messiah's declaration in Matthew 23 that judgment would come upon the unbelieving Jewish leaders in that generation. We've covered the verse-by-verse explanation of Matthew 24, verses 1-20, to including the major sign of the abomination of desolation in verse 15 which took place in 66 AD when Cestius and his army surrounded Jerusalem to take it captive. So this takes us to Messiah's declaration of a time of great tribulation. So please watch the previous videos to get the proper context. In Matthew 24, 21-22, Messiah warned about the coming time of great tribulation, which Daniel had foretold. It says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except these days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Mark thirteen nineteen to 20 says, For in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except that the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. For the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. Luke twenty one twenty two to 24 says, For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be a great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Luke always provides additional insight. He did that with the abomination of desolation. He told you that it's when an army surrounds Jerusalem to take it captive. And that's very different than what Mark and Matthew recorded. And once again, here we see a different narrative of Matthew and Mark say great tribulation. But Luke's giving you many more details so you can put them all together to see the fulfillment. It says that there shall be great distress in the land. So the land is Judea, which was just declared in verse 16. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. So you don't get to apply it to a different land. You don't get to apply it to the whole world. You have to take the definitions of scripture in that chapter. It's talking about Judea. That's the land. And the phrase, and wrath upon this people. Well, the people are the Jews, who Messiah foretold would be judged for rejecting him and delivering him up to be killed. So we have the definitions of the land, Judea. We have the wrath upon this people, which is the Jews. It says, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The Gentiles are the Romans who killed hundreds of thousands of Jews by the sword and took 97,000 captive. And I'm not saying that every reference to the Gentiles in the Bible is pointing to the Romans, but these verses about Messiah being delivered up to be killed are pointing to the Romans. Matthew 20, 19 says, And shall deliver him, Messiah, to the Gentiles to mock, 
to scourge, to crucify, and the third day he shall rise again. Mark 10:33, saying, Behold, we go to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests, the Jewish leaders, and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, to the Romans, to be crucified. Luke 18:32 says, For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, the Romans, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted upon. The times of the Gentiles are the 1290 and 1335 days of Daniel 12, which foretold the three and a half years of great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, which took place during the Jewish-Roman War of 66 to 70 AD. Daniel 9.26 points to this war and the desolation of the city, Jerusalem, and the Second Temple. When I teach that 1.1 million Jews died in and around Jerusalem from famine, pestilence, infighting, suicide, evisceration, crucifixion, and by the Roman sword, people declare that many more people have died in other times of tribulation, such as the Jewish Holocaust or the Bolshevik Revolution, when 50 million Orthodox Christians died. But Messiah is not pointing to the number of people who died, but to the sheer horror of the scene in such a small city. When you look at a map of Jerusalem and you look at the old city, you see how small it really was. You're going to see the sheer horror of the scene in such a small place. And that's what Messiah is pointing to. Because people don't understand the terrible calamity of this time of great tribulation for the Jews in the first century, they assign the fulfillment to the end times. But you will see that it was an intense time of suffering for the Jews who had rejected their promised Messiah. The Gentile Romans created a coin after the desolation of Judea. On it is an inscription, which means Judea captured. The coin was distributed throughout the Roman Empire to warn people of the futility of rebelling against Rome. And here we see the coin. And we see a crying woman who represents Judea on the back of the coin. So recall, when Messiah was being led to the cross to be crucified, he said, But Jesus turning unto them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. What perfect synchronicity. That is how amazing our Messiah is. For he causes the Roman Empire to carry out the fulfillment of his word. So let's take Messiah at his word and see how his warnings were fulfilled. When the Roman army invaded Judea to desolate the temple, the city of Jerusalem, and the Jewish nation. And I apologize for the graphic details in this and the next two videos of this time of great tribulation for the Jews. But for you to see that this time was unlike any other in its sheer horror, you need to see the truth about what took place. Keep in mind that this is just a summary of events. Jewish-Roman historian Josephus devotes nearly 200 large pages to the account of the events of those days of vengeance. Hence, there is much more to the story of this grisly scene. My goal is to summarize the atrocities which took place in Judea from 66 to 70 AD so that you can see the fulfillment of Messiah's words. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So the tensions between the Jews and the Romans had been building for many years. But the Great Revolt began in earnest when Emperor Nero enacted more tax laws, and the Jews protested and attacked Roman soldiers. Gassius Florus, the Roman governor, had committed many crimes against the Jews, so there was tension between them. 
Josephus credits him as being a primary cause of the start of the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD. The Jews complained to Rome about the mistreatment of Florus, so to conceal his atrocities, he instigated the Jews into open revolt against Rome. Florus had 17 talents removed from the temple's treasury in Jerusalem, claiming that the money was for Nero. This caused unrest among the Jews, and they mocked him by passing a basket around to feign collecting money for him as if he were poor. Florus responded by launching a raid on Jerusalem, causing his soldiers to sack the market and kill those that they encountered. 3,600 men, women, and children were cruelly slaughtered, and the city was filled with their blood. The Jews gathered to make accusations against Florus, but they were quieted down by the chief priest as to not antagonize Florus again. Florus responded by seeking to incite them more. He told them that he would be appeased if they went out to greet troops who were returning from Caesarea. But he commanded the troops not to acknowledge the Jews' greetings and to attack those who mocked them. The Jews reluctantly followed their leader's wishes to have peace. They went out of the city to salute the Roman soldiers when they came into the city. But when the soldiers ignored them, they started to mock Florus. The soldiers then surrounded them and beat them with clubs, and many Jews were trampled to death when they tried to flee back into the city. The Roman soldiers sought to rush into the city to seize the temple treasures, but the Jews blocked their path, which led to Florus leaving Jerusalem. All of this was to incite the Jews into war against the Romans. The Jews fell into his trap, and a large-scale rebellion ensued. The Jews attacked Roman Antonia Fortress. They killed the Roman soldiers and set fire to the garrison. They overran the Roman garrison in Masada to steal Herod's military weapons. And Roman military garrisons in Judea were overrun by rebels, which incited Rome. King Agrippa urged the Jews that it was vain for them to contend against them. And he concluded his speech with this strong appeal. Have pity, therefore, if not upon your children and wives, yet upon this, your metropolis, and its sacred walls. Spare the temple and preserve the holy house with its holy furniture. For if the Romans get you under their power, they will no longer abstain from destroying them, when their former abstinence shall have been so ungratefully requited. I call to witness your sanctuary and the holy angels of God and this country common to us all, that I have not kept back anything that is for your preservation. Josephus adds that when Agrippa had spoken thus, both he and his sister Bernice wept, and by their tears repressed a great deal of the violence of the people. So we saw in the abomination of desolation videos that Cestius Gallus and his Syrian army were sent against Jerusalem, which was the signal to the saints to flee to the mountains of Pella. Cestius's army suddenly retreated, and thousands of their soldiers were killed by the Jewish rebels which incited the ire of the Roman emperor. George Peter Holford, in The Destruction of Jerusalem in 1805, says, Nero, having been informed of the defeat of Cestius, immediately appointed Vespasian, a man of tried valor, to prosecute the war against the Jews, who, assisted by his son Titus, soon collected at Ptolemus an army of 60,000 men. From hence, in the spring of 67 AD, he marched into Judea everywhere spreading the most cruel havoc and devastation. The Roman soldiers, on various occasions, sparing neither infants nor the aides. For fifteen months, Vespasian proceeded in the sanguinary career, during which he reduced all the strong towns of Galilee and the chief of those in Judea, destroying at least 150,000 of the inhabitants. General Vespasian commanded the Roman legions, the 10th Frentius 
and the fifth Macedonica. He was joined by his son Titus, who commanded the Legio 15th Apollinaris Legion. With more than 60,000 soldiers, Vespasian began operations by subjugating Galilee. On the way through Judea to Jerusalem, the Roman army killed Jews by the tens of thousands in the outlying cities. They marched along the coast, killing many, 18,000 at Ascalon alone. Thus Galilee was filled with fire and blood, nor was it exempt from any kind of calamity. Josephus documents that 250,000 Jews were killed in Galilee and other towns. We can see why it was so important to flee after seeing the sign of the army in the sky, so that the saints knew to flee away from the northern regions. Many from the Jewish army, including Josephus, who was a military officer, fled to the city of Jadapada. Vespasian thought this was a godsend, as Josephus was regarded as the wisest of his enemies, allowing him to capture the Jewish leader. Josephus documents the 47-day battle between the Jews and Romans, with amazing stories of great feats and brilliant strategies by Josephus. When the capture of Jadapada was imminent, Josephus retreated to a cave, where he found 40 distinguished Jews hiding. Josephus made daily trips, covertly looking for a way of escape out of the city. Then a Jewish woman who was captured by the Romans told them where Josephus was hiding in the cave. Vespasian admired Josephus's bravery and military strategies and didn't want to kill him but take him captive. Vespasian sent a delegation and offered Josephus protection if he surrendered. The other option was suicide. Josephus recalled the nightly dreams from the Most High, which foretold his message to Vespasian and his role in history. So he prayed, Since you have chosen me to announce what is to come, I will consent to live, but I call you to witness that I go, not as a traitor, but as your servant. But the Jews in the cave would sooner kill Josephus than allow him to surrender. So they aimed their swords at him and threatened to kill him. He tried to show them how it would be for honor, not dishonor, but they ran towards him and put their blades at his throat. As a general, he had authority with them, so he used it to propose a pact, saying, If we must die, let it not be by our own, but by each other's hands. Let us draw lots, and the one who draws the first lot will be killed by him who draws the second, and so on through our entire number, so that no one escapes. They agreed to the pact. As they drew lots, each one turned his bare throat to the next, until by the providence of the Most High, or by Josephus' strategy, only he and one other man remained. Josephus persuaded this man to surrender along with himself. And the reason I'm sharing all of this story right here is so that you can see that Josephus was set aside by the Most High to be a witness to what's going to take place during the time of Great Tribulation. G.J. Goldberg notes in the success of Vespasian, Vespasian gave strict orders that Josephus should be guarded with great caution, intending to soon send him to Nero. Hearing this, Josephus expressed a wish to speak with him alone. When therefore all were ordered to withdraw except his son Titus and two of their friends, he said, O Vespasian, although you suppose you have taken captive a forsaken Josephus, I have come as a messenger of great tidings. Had I not been sent by God to you, I know the law of the Jews and how it is fitting for generals to die. Do you send me to Nero? For what? Will any successors of Nero endure? Until you? You are to be Caesar, O Vespasian, and emperor, you and this your son, referring to Titus. Bind me now still more securely, and keep me for yourself. For thou, O Caesar, are not only lord over me, but over the land, and the sea, and of the human race, and certainly I deserve to be punished 
by closer custody than now, if I fabricate anything concerning God. When Josephus had said this, Vespasian at that time did not believe him, supposing that Josephus came up with this as a cunning trick to save himself. Josephus was put in chains in the Roman camp, during which he began to write about the war. After four emperors died in quick succession, and Vespasian became emperor himself, Josephus was freed and adopted into Vespasian's family, the Flavians, and so became Flavius Josephus. His unique position on the Roman side gives us one of the few descriptions of the Roman army's procedures. He also gives valuable accounts of Judea's geography and lore, describing each region in turn as the Romans subdued it. So we see how the hand of the Most High worked to preserve his servant to be used to record the events of the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD and the desolation of Jerusalem, the Second Temple, and the Jewish nation. By this, we can see the fulfillment of the prophecies in Daniel 9, Daniel 12, and Messiah's Olivet Discourse. For more than a year, the Roman armies were occupied with the devastation of the provinces of Galilee and Judea. Josephus noted, Along all the roads, also vast numbers of dead bodies lay in heaps, and many who at first were zealous to desert the city chose rather to perish there, for the hopes of burial made death in their own city appear less terrible to them. But those zealots came at last to that degree of barbarity as not to bestow a burial upon those slain in the city or on those that lay along the roads, as if at the same time that they defiled men with their wicked actions, they would pollute the deity itself also. They left the dead bodies to putrefy in the sun. About this time, about 15,000 fugitive Jews were killed by the Romans, and the number of those that were forced to leap into the Jordan River was prodigious. The whole country through which they fled was filled with slaughter, and Jordan could not be passed over by reason of the dead bodies that were in it. The armies of Vespasian and Titus then headed towards Jerusalem. It was filled with Jews, as Jerusalem had been relatively quiet from the war. It was the time of homage of the feast days of Passover and unleavened bread. Josephus notes, Here we see the true occasion of those vast number of Jews that were in Jerusalem during the siege by Titus and who perished therein. For the siege began at the feast of Passover, when such prodigious multitudes of the Jews and proselytes were come from all parts of Judea and from other countries. The joyous feast of Passover, which marked the protection of the Israelites by putting blood over the threshold of their door, now is leading to the blood of the Jews being poured out all over the city of Jerusalem. They delivered Messiah up to be killed on Passover, and now their blood was going to be spilled out. Recall about them. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Keep in mind that the followers of Messiah had fled Judea to the mountains of Pella for safety from the coming siege. So Jerusalem was destitute of holy men and their spiritual influence, which led to lawlessness amongst the Jews. This sets up the narrative of the horrifying events which took place in the city of Jerusalem, which fulfill Messiah's declaration about the time of great tribulation on the Jewish nation in that generation. In the next video, I'll continue the explanation of the time of great tribulation for the Jewish nation during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 to AD. Thank you for listening to this Olivet Discourse Decoded audio. You can save and print Olivet Discourse Decoded PDF summaries. You can request a free copy of the Olivet Discourse Decoded book or order a printed copy at www.theolivetdiscourse.com.
Please share this podcast audio with others so that they can see the glory of Messiah in the fulfillment. I love y'all. Shalom.